Amen. Hey, first thing I got to tell you is uh, I'm excited about being here and excited that you guys are here and I'm excited to take this off. You'll be able to do that pretty soon, maybe, depending upon where you go, I guess. Hey, I got to tell you, I saw something for the very first time I've ever seen it. Now, whenever a song leader is leading the song and there's a mess up between what he's singing and what's on the screen, I have always seen the song leader say, now just follow me, now just follow me. And I'm thinking like, why should we follow you? You don't know what you're doing anyhow. And all the words are on the screen. And I, I don't know about you, but I think when there's handwriting on the wall, I think I'd go with that, okay? So, uh, Brother Shepherd, way to go. Because I've always thought like, why do they say, follow me, follow me. No, let's follow what's on the screen. Good job, Brother Shepherd. Hey, I got something I need you to help me with today, okay? I got something that I just really need you uh, to help me with. I have a box of Krispy Kreme donuts in here. And they are the just the regular glaze. They're, they're hot, they're chewy, they're sweet. And, and I've got this box of Krispy Kreme donuts and I need some help. If, if you could help me in this chapel service, I'm gonna ask you all for to do something if you would. From this point on, would you not think about these donuts at all? I don't want you one time today, to, during this chapel time, it's, oh, hey, this chapel's only 30 minutes. I don't want you to think about these at all, okay? Just forget that they're up here. Just forget that they're right here. I don't want you one time to think about the Krispy Kreme donuts, all right? So take your Bibles, take your Bibles if you would, and I have, don't be thinking about those Krispy Kreme donuts at all. I have a verse today. Hey, this came out of my devotions this morning, so it's hot out of the oven. And uh, I got to tell you, it really is a sweet verse, I'm telling you. It's something you guys are going to be able to chew on for a while, and I think it'll be a real help. Hey, now, whatever you do, don't be thinking about the Krispy Kreme donuts. All right, just take it out of your mind. Don't think one time about these right here, whatever that is in that box. Okay, Ephesians chapter 3. Look with me if you would. Uh, I got two really good, okay, so this is kind of what I'm starting with. This isn't our text today. But, you know, whenever you have devotions, you always have to have a takeaway. You got to have something you take away from your devotion. So this morning I was in Ephesians 3 and uh, reading, uh, reading and studying and journaling through Ephesians right now. And I loved verse 17. Now, this was kind of my takeaway. And then I got a great verse for the semester uh, in verse 20. But verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. So whenever I study the scriptures, I always look up definitions. And um, I looked up the may dwell. And that is to make yourself at home. It is to feel, it is a permanent dwelling of being at home, that they may dwell, that Christ may make himself at home um, in our hearts. And 
That just spoke to my heart this morning. This had nothing to do with the message. But that just was my takeaway today from my devotions. And I said, Lord, may I live my life today that you feel at home. You know, sometimes we visit people's house and they said, now just make yourself at home. They never mean that. That's the biggest lie in Christianity, okay? They don't, because if you started to make yourself at home, they'd go like, what are you doing? I'm making myself at home. And, uh, uh, but we are to make Christ feel at home. It's your house, Lord. You do whatever you want. Rearrange the furniture. Take whatever you want out of my heart. Whatever closet you want to go into. Christ may dwell in your hearts like he's at home by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. So that was kind of my takeaway verse. But then I went down to verse 20 as I finished up the chapter, and I thought, wow, what a great verse for the semester. Boy, college students, now on to him. Because you know what? It's not West Coast, it's not the ministration, it's not the teachers, and guys, it's not you. Now on to him that is able, and he was able, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. College students, I just want to tell you something. Above anything we could have asked or thought, I, in my heart, in my life, in my ministries here, teaching, when you told me that I'd be teaching outside I want to tell you, I think I had one of the best introduction biblical counseling classes, one of the best youth philosophy classes I've had in eight years of teaching here, and we did it outside. Above anything I could have asked or thought, when you told me that we will not take any students the entire semester off campus, no one will ride on a bus, I'm going to go like, whoa, there goes student activities. And yet I have sensed a spirit in the student activities, a joy, and just an absolute, above anything I could have ever asked or thought, I believe God has done. So I thought that was a great verse today and a, and a great takeaway. Now, I want to talk about what you should take away from this semester. Now, everyone would, if I gave you all a three-by-five card and I asked you to write down what would be your takeaways from this semester, why has this semester been what it's been and worked in so many lives? And, um, I, and I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe anyone, anyone, administration, faculty would have this on there. But I believe this very strongly. I may not say this was the key to the whole semester, but I think this was a major part and a reason why God blessed us. And to look at that, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 14. And as you're turning over to Romans 14, I'm going to give you my takeaway from this semester. Now, you can have your takeaway and I can have mine. Mine will help you uh, throughout the Christmas break. Probably yours will too. Whatever you, whatever you learned this semester, take it away and use it. But let me give you mine, and I think it will help you the rest of your life and also uh, definitely during the holidays. But before we go any further, if you are graduating tomorrow, if tomorrow is your last day, you finish your studies at West Coast Baptist College tomorrow, would you stand right now? How many are graduating? Wow. Stay up for just a minute, everyone. Keep staying. Keep standing for just a moment. <laughs> you know.
know, I had a goal, and my goal was I'm not going to cry in chapel. But, you know, when I look around, look at who's standing right now. And uh, I will tell you, every one of you that are standing right now have meant so much to me personally, but to this student body as well. And I just want to thank you, seniors. I think you made a good choice in coming to West Coast. I think that was a really good choice. But can I also tell you this? I think you guys were a blessing to our college and to our campus. There's dorm soups that are standing. There are people that are standing that have influenced all of us as a student body. And graduates, I, we just want you to know, we've trained you to be laborers in the harvest. And I'm looking at who's out there. Every one of you guys are going to the harvest. Every one of you guys are going to be great laborers. And there's not a person standing right now that if I was pastoring, I wouldn't give anything to have you on my staff. And I mean that. Everyone, I'm not sure I, yeah, every, <laughs> I really mean that. Uh, matter of fact, you could, folks, Students, you could start a phenomenal church with the people that are standing right now. And uh, God is really, let's give them a hand and congratulations on what you've done. Thank you guys so much. Hold me back, Lord, from saying something about everyone that just stood, I'll tell you. And um, I, I really do mean that. Romans chapter 14, I want to look at the last two verses. And I want to talk to you, even before we pray, I want to talk to you about... Uh, my biggest takeaway from this semester. This is absolutely from the filter of a dean of students. But I think that there's something to be said about that perspective. You would have a perspective as a student. I don't think anyone's going to write down what I'm going to tell you was I think the greatest takeaway and why we had and experienced what we had here. I've often studied and often thought about the life of David and Saul and if you, had a, if you had a whiteboard and you put David's name at the top and you put Saul's name at the top and you began to write down the sins that King David committed and the sins that King Saul committed, it wouldn't be very long before you would recognize something that would be really life-shaking. David's list is not going to only be longer than Saul's it's going to have more, what we would say, worse sins on it. And yet David was a man after God's own heart. So how could David's list be longer than Saul's and in many ways worse in what he did than what Saul did? And I want to tell you the difference because I think it's the difference of this semester. A semester isn't determined by how many demerits a student body gets or they don't get. It's not determined by how many sins a student body commits. The difference between a semester is the way a student body handles the things that they've done wrong. And I want to share this with you. Because from my perspective, in over 30 years working with college students and over 40 years in ministry working with young people, what has made this semester different? Miss Ayer and I will both tell you this. Miss Harvin and Brother Williams would chime in on this. Has been the response? I don't know if we've had less problems, but the way that students have received correction, reproof, 
admonition, there has not been a justification and a defense and a reason why. It's been a brokenness. Dr. Shetler, it won't happen again. And you know what? Sometimes it does happen again. But you sense in their hearts that there's a tenderness towards sin. I have studied the life of David for years. And I'm telling you, what makes a person have a heart after God is the way you handle the sin that comes into your life. Because guys, none of us are perfect. None of us make it through. We all make mistakes. We all lie. We all do. You know, when we, we, we talk about sins and we're, we're, we're with a bunch of unsaved people, and we use this stupid cookie jar thing. Come on, get off the cookie jar. They've been sinning this past week. And, and, and guys, we've, we've lied. We've deceived people this past semester. We've taken probably some things we shouldn't have. There's probably been some cheating going on, huh? Matter of fact, I want to tell you this. In, this is the smallest student body I have ever been a part of in college work. It is. But we have had more people confess sin without us ever knowing about it than any year I have ever experienced with college students. I don't want to exaggerate, but I believe I've had 14 college students come and confess something they did off campus or something they cheated on in this past year or the last semester or the last year or whatever. I've never experienced anything like that. Some of the messages prod into that. But I want to tell you something. We could say, well, it's been the faith of these students. Well, you know, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. It's been this or it's been that. It's been the way that they've handled it, doing all the COVID. Yeah, yeah, you know what? I'm not against any of that. But here's what I believe. I believe the reason why this semester has been the semester it's been is the way that you've handled the things that you've done wrong. And that there has been a brokenness and there has been a spirit of repentance and that, my friends, will bring revival. I do believe we have sensed to, to some margin experienced revival on here. And I'll tell you when that comes. It's the way we handle our sin. Now, I want to give you something to continue away and you would take this as a takeaway. When you get home, there will be decisions that you will have to start making. And you are not going back the same person. I want to talk to you about that for just a moment. College students, I do not take this in a proudful way or anything. But you all have received things the last three, four months that probably nobody in your church has received, that nobody in your family has received, and that none of your friends have gotten. You all have received and I mean that in the full sense of the word. Now, I'm not saying you've gotten. You've received an enormous amount of great memory. Do you realize that the most of the country have not had the last three months that you have had? That the majority of people in your church has not experienced the special music, not experienced the preaching, not ever go to a class? Do you realize how depressed the rest of the country is right now? Now, I want to share this with you. You need, you're going to be shocked. You're going to get back home and go like, whoa, they're, they're not that happy to see me. Well, let me tell you something. They're not happy to see anything. 
They don't want to watch the news. The election didn't go the way that they wanted. There are COVID cases. Everyone out there right now is really discouraged. Oh, well, thanks for telling us, Dr. No, what an opportunity for you guys. So badly. You need to go back and be what you say you are. You need to be the light that this world needs. And I am telling you, this world needs your testimony more this Christmas season than ever before. I mean, right now, how do you cancel Christmas? I'm sorry. I don't think that's possible. But they're going to try their hardest. Every one of you need to be an ambassador for the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Every one of you need to celebrate your walk with the Lord. Now, be, be careful you don't flaunt what's occurred the last three, four months. And I'll tell you how not to flaunt it. Go back to serve. Go back to be a blessing. Get, I'm telling you who's dying right now. No pastor I have ever known in my entire life has ever pastored during a pandemic. Man, I got to tell you, I got some good pastor friends. I got one that's recovering from COVID right now. I got another that called me last night that is discouraged. He's just discouraged. The attrition of what slowly is happening. And what are we going to do about Christmas? And what are we, I want you to know college students, go back and encourage your pastor. Take your pastor out to lunch. Do something with him. Ask him. And don't let him just say, well, there's nothing you can do. No. You guys learned here this semester, you can witness no matter what. If we got to clean windshields or hand out bottles of water or clean someone's yard, you guys have learned. You can witness. I'm telling you, your pastor's down. Your pastors, how financially are we going to do this at the end of the year? How are we going to do it? People are leaving. We got more things in. It's really hit our church. College students, you need to go back to be a blessing to your church. And you guys have been given so much. You now to give it to others. However, let's look at this because I think this is going to help you so much in making decisions. Romans chapter 14, verse 22 and 23. Uh, um, let's all stand really quickly for the reading of God's word. We'll have a quick word of prayer. I'm just really going to give you a truth. There's no outline. I just want to give you a truth that has changed my life. I think will be a great help to you. Do not be thinking about these, okay? Do not be, you know, Dr. Scheller, I've really forgotten them. Well, good. You don't realize what's up here. Okay, that's good. Romans chapter 14, verse 22. Let's all read it out loud together. Everyone together, Romans 14, 22, and 23. Together, hast thou faith? Have And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he is not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Father, I pray that we would allow, uh, we, 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 we don't have a dean's office anymore. We don't have Dr. Getz. We don't have Dr. R. We don't have our teachers anymore. We don't even have our room leaders. We don't have our dorm soups. We don't have our friends. Lord, may our conscience by the working of the Holy Spirit be our guide. 
in the decisions that we make. May these students get a hold of one of the greatest truths a Christian can live by, and that is allowing their conscience, not their emotion, guide them, direct them, and determine what's right. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, that Satan would not allow logic and emotion to dictate this student body in the days ahead. In the name of Christ, I claim victory through the whole power of the Holy Spirit by working through the conscience of these students that they will not be controlled, guided, directed, or piloted by what they feel and what they think but it would be by the Spirit of God in their conscience saying, no, I don't think I should. Yes, I need to. God, may they be guided and may they respond to the Holy Spirit in their conscience the way that they have responded to authority on this campus. Because Father, they have received admonition. They have been tender to what they've done wrong. They have confessed sin. And Lord, may that continue more than I can't think of anything else that's more important in the way that they handle. They're going to fail. They're going to say something bad. Lord, they're going to they're have some thoughts they shouldn't have. At that moment, may the conscience trigger and may they respond, get it taken care of, and move on with their life victoriously. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's children said, amen. amen. You may have a seat. So let's walk through this really quickly here, and we'll be done really quick. And one other passage we're going to look in the next. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. This is a very important thing. You guys are going to go back more spiritual than the average person. You're going to be surprised at where some of your friends are, where they are spiritually when you get back. Now, your faith isn't something you stick in someone else's face of, hey, this is the right way. And I'm not asking you to go back as some evangelist to your church. But I will tell you, you are heading down a different path now. Your life is going a different direction. You will see this very true when you get back. When I was a young person, about 13 or 14, I went out for a snowmobile ride, and it was in the morning that the night before it had snowed heavily in northern Michigan, and all the trees were flocked with snow. And that next morning it was bright and clear and sunny. And I had a snowmobile uh, helmet, but I didn't have a tinted visor. I just had a clear visor. And I went out for about two hours driving in the brand new snow. I mean, I was just riding a snowmobile and that's just great. And I get back to the house. And here I was out in this sun that glistened off the white snow for two hours. I was squinting all the time, but having the time of my life. I came in the house, and I'll never forget this, I walked in the house to kind of check the, the, the snow off and take my snowmobile boots off and my snowmobile outfit. And, and as I walked in, I cried out, Mom, turn the lights on. She responded back, the lights are on, Jim. And I said, well, Mom, I can't see a thing. And then my mother said, just stand there a while 
and you'll get used to it. And sure enough, within a few moments, my eyes had adjusted to the darkness. College student, you're going to go back, and I think you are going to be like, whoa, man, is it dark out here in this world? Well, don't stand in it. Continue to be the light that God has called you to be because in two weeks, you'll get used to it and you'll be back where you were. College students, can I tell you something? Don't accept the darkness of this world. You be the light. Now there's gonna be faith. There's gonna be things that you believe you shouldn't do anymore. There's gonna be things that you're gonna want. Now, how you handle this? Hey, siblings, you got to turn that off. You can't be listening. Did you hear all those bad words? Whoa. What is with you? Okay, so you're going to have to make some decisions. It may be from your parents. It may be activities they go to, things that you see, entertainment. They're like, whoa, this isn't doing good in my conscience. Now, I don't think it's that time that you stand up and pray. So you've got to handle some things. By the way, people, especially family. Family picks up on things. They're watching something that you feel very uncomfortable about. I don't think you should stand in front of the screen and start preaching at them. But I will tell you, I think if you stay in the darkness, it won't be long. You'll get used to it again. You got to get out of there. Just, you know what? I I got some stuff I got to do in the back. By the way, they pick up on that. And what a subtle way to keep your heart clean and still speak to your family. Look what it says. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. There may be some things that when you put back on, young lady, and you stand in the mirror in your room at home, that's not shameless. That's not shamelessness, is it? Oh, God, I love this outfit but I don't know if I have faith I can wear this now. Let me just tell you, if and when that happens, I can't tell you what that means, how you have matured, because now it's your faith. Now it's not, West Coast isn't writing any demerits on your dress length or your pants. We're not doing it anymore. Now it's you and God. And I am not telling you what to wear and not to wear, but I would say this, Would you listen to the Holy Spirit? Would you allow the Holy Spirit to tell you? You get that music all out, man. You start, oh, this doesn't sound the way it used to sound. Man, I'm just a little struggling. You know what? I just need to be home and listen to it for a couple. You're right. You are absolutely right. Go ahead. Keep listening to it for a couple weeks and you'll be fine again. You'll be listening to the same stuff again. But if there is something in your heart, in your own faith with God, that you just say, God, this is a little bit different. You go back and see that friend. And that young man puts his hand on you where normally it would have never bothered you. And now it does. Don't look at that and go like, oh man, what am I becoming? It's called holy. And it's what God is. And as you mature in your faith, There's things that you don't do anymore that you used to do. And believe me, 
I was one of those. I come back my freshman year. I, get, I go into my high school gym for a basketball game. They didn't even know who I was because of my hair. They had never seen my ears before in my entire life. I walked into that high school gym and nobody knew who I was. And I sat, they had a little balcony in that gym. And I sat in that balcony and I said, God, this isn't what I am anymore. This is not who I am. And God began. It didn't mean I didn't love those people in that gym. I thought to myself of all the things I squandered of what I should have been. I was president of a student body of a public high school. And I realized all the stuff I squandered. But I got to also tell you, it wasn't the same. I wanted to live for an eternal cause. Something bigger than me. And I believe that in you guys too as well. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Now listen to this statement. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. The word condemned there and the word damned come from the same root word. It's a little bit different word, but they come from the same root word. And it has everything to do with making a judgment and discrimination and making a sentence. And you judge something and you say, man, I don't feel right about this. Then look what it says in verse 23. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat. I don't know if you've ever heard of the evangelist Ron Comfort before. Uh, he's in his 80s now. He's still preaching. And uh, I heard Dr. Comfort way back in the early 80s. I took my teenagers to the Bill Rice Ranch. Dr. Comfort preached a message entitled, If It's Dirty, It's Doubtful. And uh, he gave an opening illustration. Guys, this is like 30, 40 years later. I've never forgotten it. He said he was uh, in his, his mobile home, you know, in evangelism, and he was in the back of the trailer, and he was bringing out a shirt, and the shirt just didn't look right, and he yelled out to his wife. He said, honey, is this shirt dirty? And his wife cried back, Ron, if it's doubtful, it's dirty. Get another one. And I never have forgotten that illustration. It's going to be up to your conscience now what you put doubt on. But college student, can I share this with you? If it's doubtful, it's dirty. If there's something in your conscience, now I want to take a little parenthesis because this was huge. There are a few, there are not many, but there are a few in here that have an oversensitive conscience. Trust me, I've counseled you. There's not a lot of you. There are some of you that go, I hate messages like this, Dr. Scheller, because I just get guilty all the time. Now listen, there's a majority of you in here that you are not that way at all, okay? But there are some of you that are oversensitive. Can I help you with a couple things? Number one, for you that, and you know if you're oversensitive conscience or not. I hate messages like this, Dr. Scheller, because I doubt everything. I can't, my, everything's bad to me. Okay, stop. Okay, for the few that are like that, really quickly, number one, is there a scriptural principle that you can claim? Well, no, but I just feel doubt about that. Okay, but you, there should be a scriptural. Then number two, then number two, get counsel from somebody. 
I'm thinking about, is this wrong or is this right? Get some wise counsel, either maybe from your parents, from someone that you trust in a godly way to help you through that. Now, that is not 10% of the students in this room. But there are a few of you that do have an oversensitive conscience. And you just make yourself guilty about everything. And that is not what I'm talking about. And then, but because here's the thing. What can you take as your step of faith? Now think about this, guys. All of us were scared to start this semester. There was fear. Doubt is not fear. Now you've got to hear what I'm about to say. If you have some fears about the next step, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You guys had fears about coming here. A doubt is a work in your conscience that says, that's not a good thing. And there's a doubt. You're, you're struggling. By the way, this is really interesting. The word doubteth is found in James 1.6. You guys all know James 1.5. If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally. Verse 6. And let him ask in faith. Nothing. Anyone know what the next word is? Nothing. Wavering. The word wavering is the word doubteth here. For he is like a wind tossed on the wind. And that is the word for doubt. When you feel like you're being tossed about and you're like, I don't know which way, that's a doubt. That's not a fear. I'm scared to come to college this semester. Yeah, join the club. But you took a step of faith. Okay, so do that this Christmas. I'm not saying you're made, I'm afraid to witness. Oh, Dr. Shetler said if I have a doubt. Wait, I didn't say that that fear was a doubt. The doubt is, I don't know which way it is. I don't know. I feel like I'm going to condemn. I don't think I could take a step of faith. Don't do it. Boy, they want me to do this, and they want me to, they, and, the, and, the, and the, the college and career group wants, wants to do this, and yeah, I don't know, and my priorities, and I know I got to work when, when I get home, and i just doubting if I, you're tossed. Those you don't do. Look what it says. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. We have a huge announcement to end chapel with, so I've got to go, but you've got to look at this really quickly. Take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 23. I'm going to start reading, but Acts 23 verse 1 and Acts 24 verse 16. Acts 23 verse 1, it says this, and Paul he's standing before the Sanhedrin, and Paul earnestly beholding the council said, Men and brethren, verse 1, chapter 23. I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. Brother Shelter, does that mean that Paul was sinless? No, of course not. Well, then how do you live in all good conscience? Look at chapter 24, verse 16. He's in front of, Fest, uh, of Festus. Uh, at Acts 24 and verse 16. Really quick. He's given another testimony. He says the same thing. And herein do I exercise gymnasium. I'm working out on this. And herein do, and this is what I want to happen for you guys, that you would exercise your conscience and not your feelings. And herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Now listen, a conscience void of offense does not mean a sinlessly perfect life. Dr. R and I are talking this afternoon. And I say something to him in a teasing way 
that I know hurts him. That was, I didn't really mean it, but I just kind of teased him about something, or I point out something, and, and I kind of jab at him. We finish the conversation, and I go away. I did him wrong in what I said. I did not have the law of kindness in my heart. And I, I walk away, and when I walk away, the conscience says, Jim, you need to go back to Dr. R. Oh, come on, it was nothing. He's fine. Dr. R can handle it. Jim, what you said to Dr. R was not right. Now listen, here's a conscience void of offense. It's not that you don't sin. It's that when you sin, you don't go against your conscience. And your conscience said, go back to him. It's like what you guys did when you came into my office. Dr. Scheller, my conscience is killing me. I got to tell you what I did. I got to tell you where I went. I got to tell you what I did last semester. It's the coolest moment. And when you get it right, oh, there were some tears in the office. But I asked every student, how do you feel now? I feel really good. I said, yeah, because the conscience is cleared. Hey, Doc. Yeah. Hey, uh, about an hour ago we had that conversation. And I said this. Will you forgive me? I shouldn't have said what I said to you. Hey, I didn't even think about it. I know, but I did. And I want to ask you to forgive me. Guys, that's carrying on the spirit of what I think we've experienced. Amen. Guys, that's what's happened on this campus this past three months. I don't think it has anything to do with COVID. I think it has to do with the way you've dealt with sin.